Hey everyone, welcome to Telling Lies to Children. It's me, Paul Durham. Lots of news today. Let's start with an important date, January 9th, 2018. That is the on-sale date for The Last Gargoyle, my next middle grade novel. You may have heard me talking about it for a while now. Now we know when it's going to be on sale, so that's exciting. It'll be coming up quickly, and I'll be talking a lot more about it as we get closer. Uh, Saturday, March 6th, that's right around the corner. That is Derry Author Fest in Derry, New Hampshire at the Derry Public Library. Uh, it's a free event. There are panels. Uh, there are um, presentations uh, from a variety of authors talking about craft and inspiration and all sorts of good stuff like that. I will be talking about middle grade fiction and signing some books from 2 to 3 p.m. So if you're in the area, swing by Derry Public Library and you can hang out with me and some other really great authors. Uh, also, there is a new way that you can support this podcast on Patreon. You can find my Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash Paul Durham. And Patreon is a way that fans uh, can support uh, their uh, favorite creators. Uh, there are videos on there. There's new content. Uh, it's all explained. If you uh, go on to uh, patreon.com slash Paul Durham, uh, you can find out uh, everything that you could possibly want to know about Patreon and supporting the podcast. So enough of that. On to the important stuff today. My guest is Erin Moulton. She is a MG and YA author. You may know her from her novels Flutter, Tracing Stars, Chasing the Milky Way, and Keepers of the Labyrinth. She also has a new anthology that she edited coming out this spring. And Erin uh, was a really terrific guest. I enjoyed speaking with her. She is the youth librarian at the Derry Public Library, also the organizer of Derry Author Fest, which I was t just talking about. Uh, she is super smart, really funny, uh, and even more importantly, I, I particularly like this interview because she's not afraid to get real and talk about the ups and downs of being an author. Um, she talked about a lot of stuff that I can certainly relate to and really appreciate, some of the disappointments, uh, some of the, the highs and the lows. We all have them as authors, and I think uh, we, we both agreed that it's important to talk about those so that other aspiring writers and, and authors out there realize that um, they're not alone. We all go through them. So I, I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I enjoyed uh, chatting with Aaron. Pick it up with Aaron Moulton and I right after the introduction. And as always, thanks for joining me here on the podcast. Shh. Are the kids gone? Good. It's time for Telling Lies to Children with me, your host, Paul Durham. This is a first-of-its-kind podcast, one hosted by a children's author, that's me again, but intended for adults who live and breathe children's literature. That's you. Whether you're a librarian, a media specialist, a teacher, or a parent, we all work with children every day. But sometimes it's nice to talk like adults with adults who share our love of children's books and publishing. I'll be chatting with editors at the world's biggest publishing houses, literary agents, award-winning authors, booksellers, librarians, and even young readers. Join me and my guests as we give you a candid, behind-the-scenes look at children's publishing, the business of telling lies to children. But only the best kinds of lies, of course. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy the show.
I always screw up last names. Is it Moulton? Moulton, yeah. Okay. It's from the Mule Farm. From the Mule Farm. <laughs> Can we include that on the podcast? Yeah, sure. All right. So I'm with Aaron Moulton. Moulton meaning from the Mule Farm. Yes. Thank That's you. so awesome. Thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. We're recording now. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm good. Are you cool? Yep. I'm, all right. <laughs> So we, after our first meeting at our top secret location, yes. we've now made our way to the Dairy Public Library. Although you don't, want to, you don't want to admit that. I don't want to admit it. No, but it's, we're here and we're hiding, and yeah, it's we're, fine. Yeah, we're hiding. We're tucked yeah. away. And we're the, avoiding the public, <laughs> which is good because I interface with them all the time. Because you work here, you're a librarian. And it's cool. Yeah, and I love them, but it's just you know, yeah, you when know. I'm off hours, I I can understand sometimes that. Sometimes avoid that. Yeah, I can understand completely. Yeah. Um, so in addition to being a YA and a middle grade author. You're a librarian. Yes. Yes. And you went to VCFA? Yes, Vermont College of Fine Arts. Yes. My alma mater. Yep. Yeah. How was your experience there? Did you like it? I loved Did you it. Love it. I could talk about it all day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well tell me a little bit. You don't have to talk, we don't have to talk about it all day. But tell, okay. me, tell me a little bit about it because I, I have interviewed a couple other author friends yeah. who are. Who are right. Familiar. I've listened to Caroline yeah. Carlson. Do you, know, um, do you know Caroline? A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. We are a pretty tight knit community. So if you see a VCFA or you're immediately like bonded, I saw a couple yesterday at the Cliffs. Uh, Children's Literacy Foundation Summit. Yeah. Um, so VCFA is a wonderful college. It's a low residency program, mm-hmm. so you only go twice a year yeah. uh, for 10 days, and you are immersed in the craft of writing, talking about the craft of writing, working with advisors, listening to lectures, um, and readings during that time. And then when you're not on campus, what you do is you do packets with an advisor. So while I was there, I worked with um, Ron Kirchie, who worked there for a little while while, while I was there. Ellen Howard, uh, Kathy Appelt, and Cynthia Ladick-Smith. Cool. Um, they were wonderful. I felt like I was matched perfectly with them for where I was each semester. And um, you basically share packets back and forth, uh, 40 pages a month, and working on creative and critical. So the creative is, you know, whatever you want to do, middle grade, picture book, young adult. Um, they do encourage, at least while I was there, encouraged you to experiment while you could. You know, you're not under a deadline for a publisher. This is a chance to see which medium you like best. And um, then the critical aspect is just understanding the craft of writing. Right. You know, how do we develop characters? What do we do for um, really anything you want to explore? Um, my critical thesis was on the. Uh, it was called Stage Design and the Writer: An Exploration of the Conceptual Setting. So it talked about how um, setting can reveal emotion and feed your scenes that way. Cool. So talking about really stage cool. design, the other thing, yeah. so I, I read a little bit about your bio. I know <laughs> right. a transition, but one of the things is you are also the second person that I've interviewed mm-hmm. who was in some way involved in being in lighting, was like climbing like scaffolding and doing lighting right. for theater. Right. So was that, was that were you originally, as far as the drama goes, were you an actress originally? No, or, not at no, all. It was no. just, it was always, I was always in the, the theater. Um, yeah. yeah, from... My best friend Kim was always on stage, and yeah. I got roped in, but I didn't want to be on stage. Right. I was in fifth and sixth grade. I played Lady Macbeth, and that was wonderful for the school play. And then I played um, Titania in Midsummer Night's Dream. But once I hit middle school, I really liked the behind the scenes more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always joke that I have my careers have always been in story houses. Yeah. Because in the theater, you know, you can't learn story 
in a better place. Like you're you're seeing how directors putting it together, how the scene designers are putting it together, how the lighting designers, all these elements are coming into play. And um, so that's where I, my roots of story are. Though I've always been, a, I was always a reader. Um, I worked in bookstore and I worked at the library. So it's all of these places that were just are in love with story. Um, that's where I grew up. So. I went to school for, for theater. I went to Emerson College for theater design. It has a wonderful theater uh, yeah. design tech program. Fantastic teachers. Um, lots of hands-on stuff. You work in the theaters while you're there. You can work at the Majestic, which is this gorgeous theater attached to Emerson. Um, but you also kind of gain this network. So <laughs> I did. I worked, I worked in the theaters, like ART theaters, um, just freelance. But I also worked for places like High Output and Port Lighting, where you work with like Teamsters and you're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there at midnight, with rigs and different stuff. Yeah, down lights. Yeah. And I remember I was pulling down a, a or I was on, I was pulling off a parkan, and this guy looks over and it's like one o'clock in the morning and he goes, "Girl, somebody lied to you." <laughs> about, about about what the job was? Yeah. So. And yeah. I just started laughing and then I was like, "Hmm." That's interesting. And so soon after that, um, not because he said that, but maybe he was seeing something on my face, I uh, I started more seriously doing writing. Yeah. So I did my MFA while I was a freelance lighting designer, and then I kind of transitioned into tutoring librarian work after that. Yeah. So your first novel was Flutter. Mm-hmm. Now, did that come as a direct result of your writing program? Or yes. Was, yeah. yeah. Flutter was, um, I actually had sent Alan Howard a, a manuscript and it was about this orphan, and I don't know what time period it was set in. She lived under a bridge, and there was like an art heist that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and she read it because I'd written it my first semester. Ron had wanted me to write the whole thing just to feel how it was to write a full draft of a novel. Um, and it was a great experiment, but I sent it to Ellen for my second semester, and she basically said, Erin, I'm exhausted. <laughs> so that's not exactly what you want to hear when you, you know, give somebody a piece of your work. Um, but she said something in the letter because she writes this really long, wonderful letter back, and it said, "I want you to write me something that shows me what you know about life." And so, right then, I was like, "Okay, I don't know anything about life." I was 22 when I went to Vermont College, like straight out of my undergrad. You didn't have it all I figured didn't feel out like then. I had no. It all figured out. Yeah. But I knew. I was like, "Okay," so I'm kind of thinking about it, and I'm like, "I know about sisters." Um, I know about love, I know about family, I know about home. Mm-hmm. And so that all of that is, that's flutter. It's about, it all, all starts at home on the mountain is the first line. Um, and then it's about the sisters going off on this adventure to cure their little sister who's been born prematurely. They think they're going to find this miracle water in the mountains. So, yeah, it's all about my sisters and family and the love and bond of family. First, so I mean, you've written four or five novels now. Yeah, four, four. novels. So, did you find with your first novel that there was, and the way you described it, I, I, a lot of authors I talked to, myself included, mm-hmm. something about that first novel, it's just like it's almost like you're channeling something. Yes. Like it's coming yes. from somewhere else. It, sure. It writes itself in some ways. Yeah. yeah. Did you have that? It sounds like you had that experience with your first yes, one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it. I did something like okay, I was thinking about it, and I went and I love yoga too, right? So I did. I was standing on my head on this headstand thing. And um, what you're doing by for listeners, you're doing that right, now. I'm doing that yeah, right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> doing a lot less yeah. now. Um, and immediately, Maple's voice popped into my head, and then I was just chasing her like the whole time. She was just talking, and I was listening, and it was, it was so organic in that way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the second book, not so much. You had our time with your second book. <sighs> 
rolling teeth. Didn't we all? We, all of that, <laughs> everyone I talked to has had that experience with their second books. It's not everybody, but a lot of us. Well, I think there's the added pressure of the timeline, and you're like not sure, and you're also thinking, will the editor like this? Where I didn't have that experience. Right. With Were you under contract proposal. at that point yes. for your second book? So right. I wrote it on proposal. Yeah. And I wrote all my books on proposals since then. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to actually backpedal away from that a little bit right now. I want to um, regain more ritual with the with the stories. I'm missing that magic mm -hmm. sometimes when I, because I, I like having the proposal and selling a proposal and it feels good. And you're, well, like, okay, and you're like, I, I sold something I haven't even yeah, written yet. Yeah, right, and right. I'm, I'm feeling like I'm a working writer, but, mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. Uh, Right now, I want magic, and I have this book I'm working on that has the magic, and mm -hmm. so I'm like guarding it. Yeah, yeah. It's no one's gonna see it. Yeah, until that's, it's done. I get. I totally get it. I'm I'm in a similar position. I mean, I have um, the book I'm supposed to be writing for mm -hmm. a couple of years okay. from now. Right? There's right. that one. <laughs> There's that <laughs> the one, one that, that I'm under contract and they're paying me yes. to write. Yes. And then I have the one that I'm like actually. Writing, about yeah, and and, yeah, and that's the one I don't want to show to anybody, and the one that I, I because it, it does take some when you start to share it prematurely, it does take a little bit of that magic away. Or I the, think so. Yeah, and I think it might alter because it alters the experience. Not that it's not so valuable, but mm -hmm. I wonder if sometimes when I'm working with an editor, which is wonderful, um, it's like you give the you give yeah, it's almost, it's not half baked. It's more than half baked when you send it, mm -hmm. but maybe it could have gone a step further where you would have developed more this way or that way and you don't know because right. you're like oh she's right on that or you know you're just listening to the feedback and you you want to make it a good complete project for that person right to publish right. at that publishing house so yeah i think it i think letting it marinate a little bit longer and 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 giving it time well, I found That's all. Good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, have you found? So I found that if you give editors the opportunity to uh, direct or influence a project, they will gladly take it. Mm -hmm. um, and look, editors are great, and we're not <laughs> knocking editors. Right, we love editors. We love editors, <laughs> um, but they are naturally more. In, they, they have uh, the commercial success of the book in mind for good right. reason because they they have to, right? Right. So. Uh, you know, sometimes what I've found is that I don't know about you when you pitch, but I find that I pitch much better in writing than I do orally. Oh God, right? Yes. And, and also, sometimes my books are better when they're done than when I'm trying to like describe them and sort of Absolutely. flesh them out for somebody. For sure. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I, I totally get where you're at. Where it's like, yeah, I have something that you have that really special little sort of uh, seed that's growing into something, and you don't right. you don't want to put it out there for the publishing world just yet. Right. So, and I think with Keepers of the Labyrinth, which was my latest, yeah. I felt um, uh, I worked with Jill Santapolo at Penguin Random House, and she it was amazing for all my first four books. Um, the anthology is with a different publisher. Mm -hmm. But Jill's wonderful in that she asks a lot of questions. Yep. Her letters are primarily questions, so mm -hmm. so she's really good at pulling the story out of you in that way. Yeah. Um, but with Keepers of the Labyrinth, and I don't blame this on her at all, there was so much in my life that was happening. I was I was pregnant with Tucker while I was finishing up the, the <laughs> final... <laughs> Uh, draft of that and the day he was breached so he was scheduled um, to come out on the 20th and I finished the manuscript that morning and I sent it to wow. my editor so you had and like, so, a, like yeah, yeah, so all kinds of deadlines going on there were so on. many yeah, deadlines so even much. that morning and yeah. then I was doing copy edits while I was nursing him in the middle of the night so it was one of those things where it was like I want it I maybe I don't know <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I liked how it turned out and I was proud of how it turned out but 
Um, if I had kept it a little longer, I think there would have been things I had done differently yeah. for that novel. Yeah. And I mean, you can't change that. Life comes up and different things happen and, um, you know, you're still working as a writer. Yeah. But I don't know how it would have been a little, it would have been a little bit different, I think, if I fostered it in, at a different time. Yeah. You know, because you're building, I was building too many things at once. Right. Maybe at that time. <laughs> right. Sure. But, but also, you know, and... and you know, as a writer, I imagine you sound like, you know, I think we're level like that you want to be in there for the long haul. Right. Right. It's yes. not. Because how many writers. Well, what else am I going to do? Well, right. Well, if you're, you probably. <laughs> like I can't yeah. not. I can't not. It's a curse. It is. <laughs> it is a curse. I, I have a, I have a love-hate relationship yes. with writing because yes. I love it and I'm at my happiest when I'm doing it. Yes. Um, but I so wish that I didn't have to because it's so hard and it's such a difficult way to make a living. And it it's is. A, yeah. So you feel conflicted because it's yeah. like, oh, well, now I'm failing again if right. I didn't get the sale, which I got a stingy, stingy rejection recently right which is was almost helpful in a way it was a gift reflecting mm-hmm. back on what we've been talking about because it yeah. forces me back to just doing it for myself yeah but it hurt this one this one's a sure sale and uh, mm-hmm. you know I was all gearing up and I'm like my platform it's really building now I've got a lot of school visits I know this is gonna be great it just was totally unexpected so yeah. I like to share that with people because I feel like people think once you're published it's like whew, you're you're going and you're perfect and you're good for a long time but um it just it's the same thing you still send stuff out you still get rejected uh, it's not a sure it's not a sure thing but it does fo- it did force me back to say okay well wait what's the point right yeah. the point is because I love it that's right <laughs> and when a story idea arrives and if I don't have a place to send it like mm-hmm. onto the paper whoa like, where is it going to go? What's going to happen? Yep. All that weird energy is just stuck inside me, which will end badly because I'll just go through the roof right. or be super depressed. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I, as you were saying, you're happiest when you're writing. Same with me. Like, if I, if I miss writing, I don't have a lot of writing time right now, but I do build it into my schedule. Mondays is my, like, sacred writing time. Yeah. Um, if I have weeks where I don't have those, just for like snowstorms or in the winter, I always ended on a Monday. Yeah. Uh, if Tucker got sick and was staying home, you know, it was on a Monday. It just ended up being that way, and I got kind of uh, angsty, like I had to write at night and, you know, get the story out. I have to. It's a therapy for me. It's, you know, it's, it's like people who are fanatic exercise freaks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or I'm sure what maybe with you with like with yoga. Yeah. It's like if you don't do it on a given day, it's probably not the end of the world, but you feel it. Right. You feel like something's missing, and you right. feel like you want to be doing it. Exactly, which yeah. is why I also build it into the evening. Like yeah. I, I will often have like work nights throughout the week, and right. you know, my husband's really good about that too. Where yeah. we'll find diff- he plays his guitar, and I'll <laughs> type. And it's really important to have somebody who's supportive of you as an artist, as a writer in particular, right? Because it's yes. such a, it's such a solitary in some ways selfish activity yes even when it's not but I mean it's so I mean there's so much of it is being tucked away in a room like this Mm -hmm. by yourself with a laptop or wherever it is that you may work right Um, you have to be with a partner who understands that or can at least live with it right Right. exactly and I don't think it's always easy Um, I'm married to an engineer so Mm -hmm. he doesn't always we don't always understand each other perfectly but we also even each other out and balance each other because we're so very different yeah Um, he's always been super supportive of me and I (laughs) When I grew, I, we we met in high school and went to prom together. Mm-hmm. So we grew together instead of growing apart, right? Yeah. So um, when I went to Vermont College, he he gave me a card. He he might be mad that I'm sharing this. But but he's pro- so he's probably not listening. He won't That's listen right, anyway, right? Listen. Yeah. So. He probably won't. Um, he gave me a card at graduation that was like, 
I'm so proud of you, babe. I know you're meant for great things. And meant was spelled wrong. <laughs> and I just love it. That's perfect. Like, yeah. so beautiful and yeah, so that's... sweet. Because he's an engineer and spelling is not their forte necessarily. Right, right? But, it's, but just the, the sentiment the was there. The sentiment was there. And he's so supportive. He's always been supportive. And he, you know, he, you know, when I got my rejection the other day, he totally talked to me off the ledge he's like you know yeah. what you, you're fine and you're gonna flip at some point and you'll be writing only all the time and I'm not worried about it Yeah. but yeah. it's hard also to be in it you know I my first book came out in 2011 and you know I, I do want that at some point to be able to write mm-hmm. if it's possible for me to do that all the time um, I don't want I I'll often think about a sacrifice like that Jason and my family would have because mm-hmm. I'm not having a full-time job you know that kind of thing yeah because um, it is that is selfish of me to only want to sit and do my art and you know <laughs> <laughs> it's a <laughs> sometimes it doesn't provide it's a it's a you know as much but I went yeah. to the library so yeah, it's well. It's hard. Yeah, it's like you feel like you're doing something that's related to it, but even though you're yeah, surrounded by books yes. and you're at a library, you're still um, you're still not writing every day. It's not purely what you're doing all the right. time. Right, it's not, and um, it's hard to make the living off of it. And you, you do have to make a living, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where I I worry a lot. But Jason is very supportive, so I don't worry too much. But I do worry about that, and we occasionally are like, oh, no. <laughs> like we gotta get a sale, but. Um, I, yeah. yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of people, I think they drift in and out of doing it full-time or part-time right. or they have other gigs or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can tell you from experience that it's, um, you, do, you know, there are trade-offs. I mean, yes. it's, it's great to go make up lies every day for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you <laughs> tend to watch things like, oh, what's the state of the health insurance market going to be like? Because that plays a, actually more right. than just, you know, it's not just a curiosity or something. You know, it, it plays it, a real it, It's role. a real role exactly. in, in terms of the decisions that you can make and things that you can well, do. Well, exactly, yeah. yeah. So there's um, a reality. You eventually have to check in with your reality. Yeah. As a writer, even yeah. though we're not great at that sometimes. That, that's right. That's yeah. right. You know, I think one of the things that I found really interesting, and you've touched on it a little bit, is so your newsletter. Yes. Um, the molten mumbler. Mumbler. Right. Yeah. What I thought was great about that is, you know, because I I was reading the questions, and um, you ask great questions, and they're real questions, and not yeah. sort of just like the superficially like, oh, what's your motivation, and what not that that's superficial, but breakfast. yeah, yeah, but <laughs> but it's like you know you have some real ones like that I thought was really great, which I chose to answer, the which real was, talk yeah, ones, which yeah. is like you know has the publishing world ever disappointed you right i think my response was like yeah today and every day right right (laughs) Right, so i so i mean you know is that come from a does that come from a a place of truth for you where you felt that yourself i have but also i like to ask the question because i feel like writers don't like to talk about it because we don't want to upset anybody you know (laughs) in the publishing industry but at the same time there's um we have to share the stories Mm -hmm. because well, you'll find it like when writers cluster over coffee and no one's listening. They're always like, well, how'd it go? You know, how'd your marketing plan go yeah, for you hear, that? You and hear the real you stuff. you got to talk about the yeah. real talk and the business of yeah. um, publication, which is different than just sitting by yourself being a writer. And so mm-hmm. I think it's something we grapple with and we need to talk about just so um, other writers can hear and know that they're not failing miserably or, you mm-hmm. know, they also came up against something. Um, it comes with so many stigmatized subjects, right? The more you share, the more people know they're not alone and yeah. um, can navigate it when it happens to them. But uh, let's see. So 
that's the one that has publishing disappointed you. Um, Did you ever feel like a failure? That was another good one. <laughs> oh, yeah, all And the again, time. that's like, yeah, pretty much every day. <laughs> much. What time is it? Today? Well, yeah. I actually you know. do speeches on failure. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't like to push it on the publishing industry because I realize that's a business, and so that kind of it has to be a business and run as a business, and mm-hmm. that I get. So, um, so that is its own entity. But if as do I sometimes feel like a failure? Yes, I always do, and I often talk about it. Like I will, I will give speeches on being a failure. I gave mm-hmm. a key note last year on being yeah. a failure. Um, and on because really you have to fail in order to succeed right you can't you, you can't be a writer and not be a failure because right. how many times were you rejected before you a got million. yeah and still right. and all the time and then um if you just quit then you're definitely gonna fail right so you just kind of have to have like the boxing mentality i guess like how many times can you get punched in the face <laughs> like and just get back up and yep. you know keep going um and my mom used to always say you know Never say die until the last breath is gone. You know, right. she's very dramatic like that. But she had a point, and yeah. so uh, I I always carry that with me. But what we what we do is very much a long term fight. Yes. Um, and everything from getting over, every gatekeeper, every hurdle you have to mm-hmm. jump over in this business, it's fraught with failure. It is. And yes. there's going to be waves of ups and downs, and right. it's hard because you know I, yes, we're both probably at points in our career where we've had a little bit of both. Of both. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, and I'm sure, hopefully, we're both going to be doing this 20 years I from now. So. And we'll have a whole lot more of ups and downs. Um, but it's an important, I think you're absolutely right. It's an important message to sort of, as as um, authors, to speak right. truthfully about this stuff. Right. You know, one of the things about the podcast that can be challenging is that we, myself included, although I try to get away from it, we have our game faces on. When, we're, when you're being recorded, yes. you're like, oh, no, is my editor listening? Right. Sadly, probably not. Mine, at least mine's probably not. <laughs> Phoebe, Phoebe are you listening? Busy. I kind of doubt that you are. <laughs> <laughs> but but then yeah, it's the whole fear of oh no, am I going to upset the apple cart and am right. I going to say something? It's like well, it's one thing to say terrible things about your publisher, oh, yeah. and it's another thing to actually just speak say look, these are the challenges and right. this is the way it this is. This is reality. Yeah. And then I think it's also important though when I'm when I talk about um, failure, it's not to dwell on it. Like right. in a way, we as writers are a little delusional, right? Mm. Oh, you have to be. We live <laughs> we live in a world of right. illusion and delusion. So right? if you're lucky, you can be delusional in that you're gonna. You'll just keep going, and you're gonna do it. It's mm-hmm. really if if you can dwell on the successes and be mm-hmm. delusional in the in a positive way, yeah. I think that can benefit you. Because I I am hopelessly optimistic. You have to be right. Yeah, you yeah. have to be. But I think yeah. sometimes people aren't, and they can get stuck, and then they're mm-hmm. they're like, well, maybe this isn't for me, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, you do have to be a little hopelessly optimistic that you're gonna do it, and just do it for the love of doing it, which maybe. Is something you you do a little writing for the work mm-hmm. of it and earning a paycheck and then like you're doing with your manuscript is just for the love of it. And yeah, I bet that one's gonna sparkle a little more than the, I, if I were predicting. Pro- I think it you might know, sparkle a little it, more than the other one. It, it, it might. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I, I've had a couple. You know, my first book I absolutely loved, and I mm-hmm. I won't go into my yes. story of why I wrote it, um, how right. I wrote it. The other two books in, in that trilogy were great, but they weren't. The same as the first one, right? Um, and my new book, I, of course, I like my. I, I try to put a lot into you it, right? Be, yeah, so but, you're proud of it. Yeah, and it's good right, work, right? But there's some. There are some that the, you know. The process for me is more fun when it is a secret, and I get to see it fully evolved before I start showing it and getting input from other people. Right, and I wonder if I mean it's hard to analyze something like that. But do, is your voice or your cadence different when you have a different feeling when you're writing? 
Um, I don't think it's the voice. I don't think it's the cadence. I think it's I don't war. So having done this now, I very much can hear my editor in my head okay. b- before mm-hmm. I even show her oh, anything. Sure. I know I, it's just there. Right. I know what you're going to say and this mm-hmm. and that. It moves mm-hmm. around and it's too, you know, and I just I just hear it. And I know it's mm-hmm. there. Um, and there's something about sort of just putting that aside yes. and just saying this is a story I'm going to write. Right. It doesn't fit into any particular category necessarily right now. Right. It will at some point, but it's it's not. It's not worrying about um, what's going to fit anywhere. It's like I, I have a concept I like, and it's just wrestling through it for a year or however long it takes, right. rather than showing that first draft to, to which was a very what a lot of people don't realize. I think is when you're writing um, on a proposal, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to selling a full manuscript, uh, it's weird showing your first draft or your second draft to somebody. Oh, like yeah. actually letting that out there, knowing it's right. not done and not ready, but just saying, okay, here's my delivery of the like, first draft. Yeah, it right. Be like yeah. something like this. Right, right. So that's a, that's a very weird and, and different process. Yes. Now you're doing something, uh, at least a departure from what you've done before. Is you're is, are you editing an anthology now? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit? Because I know it's, it sounds like it's about some important topics too. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, things we haven't said. Mm-hmm. Uh, sexual violence survivors speak out, and um, it's primarily juvenile sexual violence survivors. So people who had been assaulted or raped when they were um, under eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was writing Chasing the Milky Way, I got very interested in talking about stigmatized subjects because that one had an element of mental illness in it, mm-hmm. and it's for middle grade, which you don't always see. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we've talked a little bit about, I like to discuss things that people are afraid of discussing because then you realize you're not alone. Um, and while I work at the public library, I often see collection. Um, so what is being published for certain subjects, what's being published for teens, and I was looking for a book on sexual violence for teen readers, um, and I noticed something, which is that we have a good amount in fiction, and that's wonderful, mm-hmm. but we have less in nonfiction. So you have Speed by Larry Holt Sanderson, you have Ellen Hopkins has a couple, uh, element of this in a couple of her books, but in nonfiction, I was having a hard time finding something for teens. Um, and if you look at the statistics, 40% of um, victims are 18 or below. So you're looking at a huge group of people that experience this in their lives, but there's less material for that age group in the nonfiction section. So I'm just talking about, when we're talking about nonfiction, um, it's a different type of book. With Lori's book, you're learning about this journey that the character is going through as she's trying to speak about her experience. Um, in nonfiction, you're talking about resources and the information that people are given and um, just the different uh, stories that people have experienced. So the anthology came from that. It was like, okay, well, we don't have anything in nonfiction for this. What if I write a proposal that says, okay, this is what it would be like. Um, the anthology specifically has short stories or poems uh, that's going to draw the reader in because narrative is really important for drawing a reader in. Mm-hmm. And then afterward, it has a question and answer for that person. So uh, when did you realize you were sexually assaulted? Oftentimes, the answer is they don't know until much later. Like they, They're like, well, that was an experience that happened, and that was upsetting, and they move on. Yeah. Or they're stuck in an experience in their family, um, and they just it's normal for them, right? So you see all these different scenarios, and then uh, the question and answer kind of helps us navigate that in a reflective way like okay you know when did you realize this is uh what it was did you come up against allies or people who didn't believe you 
Um, a lot of people have a hard time believing victims, uh, I, survivors is what I should say, of uh, sexual violence. They just It's just one of those topics where people question you constantly. Yeah. So you'll see that a lot in the book. And um, then at the end, there's resources. So it's a little bit different than a fiction book in that mm-hmm. way. It really provides information. And you can find a lot of information online, yes. Uh, Rain is a wonderful organization, but I think there's something really private about reading a book. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you just don't have that. With the computer, there's always someone there, either in the <laughs> comments section or, you know, they can see the screen because um, it's bigger than the pages of a book. So there's something really solitary and safe, I think, about reading, which is why I specifically wanted to write, work on this for teens and, you know, make it a book and, and yeah. make that an important aspect of it. Yeah, that's great. So that's, I mean, that's definitely uh, an evolution for you in your career where it's uh, yeah. to some degree, right? Where you, But it's it's an important, uh, important. Right. And it's not necessarily that that's all you're ever going to do. Right. But it's not, it must be, it must be nice to take on um, something that, you know, I think all it's our writing. a little bit different. Yeah. And I think all our writing for children is important. I'm not, I'm not diminishing fiction like I write or that you write. Right. But it's, it's, I think it's really terrific that you've, you know, you've, you've put this together. It was right? really interesting and yeah. stressful to edit though. I bet. Um, but then I'm like, well, Aaron, like, just suck it up. You're stressed yeah. out editing these stories. These people live these experiences. Right. But it was, I'm just speaking in the sense that I it's, I do a lot of mentoring. Mm-hmm. And when you critique people, you know, critiquing fiction is different than critiquing someone's personal painful sure. experience. Yep. So the critiquing was very much focused on, um, you know, well, can we clarify what's happening or what's in your head or pull in some more just scenery, uh, elements of style, that right. kind of thing, uh, and elements of narrative. Because the people who wrote who wrote for the anthology are not all writers at all. Right. Like some, I, we have truck drivers, we have farmers, we we just, I had an open call for submission, people sent their work in. Um, so it wasn't always a writer who is like, oh yeah, I see what you're saying there, I need help with, I, I can fix that. They they might not even know punctuation necessarily wonderfully, but they're telling a story that's really important. Right. So I'd snag that one out of the pile. Yeah. Um, so the editing process was new for me, but I I really enjoyed it. That you know, just in the way that we were gonna we're gonna be really proud of the final product. Yeah, I bet. You know, I, I think bet. people are gonna learn a lot from it. Um, we can talk about topics that are hot button topic topics like trigger warnings and that kind of right. thing. Right. Right. Which always has a mixed, um, you know, kind of a mixed, I don't know, perception, sure. I guess. Sure. Some people want it and some people don't. Right, right. Uh, and some people are really hostile about it and others are not. Um, so there's, yeah, there's that. What well, else? you do, I mean, you do a ton of stuff. And then, of course, we, we have to at least mention um, Dairy Author Fest, oh, yeah. which you've, which you've organized yeah. for multiple years now, right? Three. This is yeah. our third year. So, yeah, yeah. it was new. Um, the Dairy Author Fest is, the trustees kind of thought of it originally. They wanted mm-hmm. something that we could have for Southern New Hampshire that would be really fun and yeah. bring authors in. And it's free, right? Because we're the public library, so it's free and open to the public. And they were like, Aaron, you know authors. And so I just, <laughs> yes, I do. As a matter of fact. <laughs> I do. So um, it's really fun. It's one of my favorite things to schedule all That's year. Cool. I, I do yeah. a lot of teen programming. Um, you know, we have writers group and fandoms and stuff like that that I do for the teens. But this is more for adults who want to learn how to write. And I invite the teens as well. So some of them may show up. Yep. 
but it's just a day of learning. So we've got a bunch of great workshops this year. Um, yours, middle grade magic. Yeah. And then we have Dan Sesney, and I never, I'm sure if I'm pronouncing his last name right, but he'll be in talking about uh, travel writing, which will be wonderful because he's always all over the place writing his mm-hmm. books about travel. Um, Nicole Tadjell is going to do a anatomy of the picture book. So she's going to bring her uh, book dummy for Real Sisters Pretend and basically talk us through the whole process of going from story spark through the artistic process. And oh, she's the cool. illustrator yeah. and an author. Um, so she should be fun to listen to. Uh, Heidi Haling is coming from New York City, and she's going to talk about writing realistic characters for um, your fantasy worlds. Uh, so that should be fascinating. She talks a lot about that on Twitter and, you know, all over the place. I listened to a, a diversity panel. She was in uh, ALA, mm-hmm. and she was wonderful to listen to. That's why I thought of her when I was putting together our uh, selection. And then we're going to have a great writing process panel, just talking to uh, a bunch of great authors like Francisco Stork, Katie Barrell, Audie Rule, Kate Conway, um, and Marcy K. Connolly, I can't oh. forget Marcy Kate. Just about where their ideas come from, what their writing space is like, um, you know, are they plotters or are they organic writers, all sorts of things. Yeah. And we'll have audience participation for that as well. So yeah, I, hope, cool. I hope the audience will get some good tools out of it, but also some inspiration out of the whole day. Yeah, that's great. And the price is right. Exactly. <laughs> right? Well, that's the thing. Um, I'm a little nervous because Writers Day... Southern New Hampshire Writers Project. No, New Hampshire Writers Project, sorry. Yeah. Um, they're usually at the Southern New Hampshire University. Right. They had their writer day canceled. So I'm hoping we don't get flooded, and I'm, I'm totally not expecting it, because I only have, like, a couple of people signed up, but people don't generally right. sign up. They usually just show, they up, show up. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not expecting it to be dead. I'm expecting a very good audience, but right. I don't want it to be too many for the meeting room. That yeah. would be stressful. Yeah. Well, we'll you know, just let people sit on the floor. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Yeah. You can take it outside if you had to, right? Exactly. I think yeah. it might rain. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, of course. Just, yeah. Well, what are you going to do? It'll be good. Yeah. It's free. It is free. <laughs> Remember, it's free. <laughs> so that's what I keep saying. And you actually, no, ra- actually, rain is actually good for events. Like, that's what I was thinking. I, I mean, you know, I, I've had I've had more than one book signing where it's like, yeah, it's raining, but not you don't want to rain too hard because some people won't leave the house at all. Right. But a little drizzle or a little it's perfect yeah, sprinkle people, is perfect. Yeah. If, especially if it's a free event and it's a beautiful yeah. day, people are like, well, I didn't really sign up and I'm not paying anything and it's mm-hmm. gorgeous out, so I'm just going to go like right. boating or something. Yeah. So a little bit of rain is or it's the writer's it's, friend. It is exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that's going to be awesome. Erin, so where can um, people find you online and all that good stuff? They can find me at ErinEMolten.com. Yeah. On Twitter, which I occasionally do, I post a lot of stuff from school visits there and book reviews. Mm -hmm. That's just Erin E. Moulton. Okay. And then Facebook as Erin E. Moulton. And just friend me there because I... I built my author page. I felt like I wasn't interfacing with people as much as I wanted to. So you just are literally friending me. Because you have a lot. Because you have a life and a job and a family, right? <laughs> you have other things. You have other things yeah, that you have to do like, as well. Yeah. This way, I can actually see yeah. everybody else's posts right. and you right. know um, talk more in yeah. the dialogue than as a business page. So yeah, that's yeah, not a like. Uh, cool. Yeah. So I think that's it. I'm I'm not on Tumblr very much. Well, and, well, that's plenty yeah. of stuff. We'll find yeah, you. Find I'll, f- I'll find you if I haven't already. But yeah, if find I, me. Yeah, I'm there. I'll, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. And um, and you were awesome. Thanks so much for spending some Thank time you. with me. That was so fun. It was totally fun. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. As always, Telling Lies to Children was brought to you by, well, nobody. Just me and my guests. 
One of the nice things about being completely unknown in the vast world of podcasting is that you don't have to listen to me read 10 minutes worth of ads at the beginning and end of every episode. But I hope you'll check out my website, pauldurhambooks.com. There you can find out more about the Luck Ugly series, you can book a school visit, you can shop the newly opened Dead Fish Inn gift shop, or just reach out and say hello. I'd love to hear from you. You can also find links to all of my guests' websites and social media there. So until next time, I wish you happy reading, ugly luck, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. I bet that woke you up. See you next time.